Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com, where we provide you with a spiritual haven of rest and explore the riches of the wisdom of the saints and the path to union with God. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio your radio haven of rest, your hermitage of the heart, your monastery of the mind, where we lift our hearts and minds to draw on the wisdom of the saints, on the amazing power of the church today we're talking about, to liberate souls, no matter how bound they are, uh, God can liberate them. And in fact, the enemy is no match for the Blessed Mother, little Jewish girl, very holy one, of course. Who doesn't wear shoes. How do you know that? (laughs) I don't know, but I really love that about her. It, it denotes Just her littleness. Okay. Yes, you know. All right. She, so she comes in, she stands on, right. you know, the serpent in bare feet. And right, he that's just, true. She just vanquishes him. So. And then when she shows up at exorcisms, all all goes pretty well. So why it's don't you... over. <laughs> right, right. Why don't you introduce our guest? Okay. Adam Bly is a paratus. That means he's an expert on religious demonology and exorcism for the Diocese of Pip- Pittsburgh. He is an auxiliary member of the International Association of Exorcists in Rome, a private association of the Christian faithful recognized by the Vatican. He has helped in forming priests in the ministry of exorcism for over 15 years, both nationally and internationally in recent years. He has written two books that treat on the topic of exorcism and deliverance, The Exorcism Files, True Stories of Demonic Possession, which we're going to be talking about today, and Hauntings, Possessions, and Exorcisms, 2017. He has also written The Catholic Guide to Miracles, 2021. He has a master's degree in adult clinical psychology. He He is in the final year of canon law studies, and works full-time in the Tribunal of the Diocese of Pittsburgh. Welcome, Adam, to the show. Hi, thank you. It's great to have you with us. Of course, uh, this is of, of interest to folks, um, uh, quite a significant interest. And in, in, I think the we did a back-end uh, analysis of our most popular posts on spiritualdirection.com. We have a couple hundred thousand subscribers. And the most popular post, which I think you will not be surprised, but it, uh, or you may be surprised, but is what is it called? What was it called, producer man? It was how to make a pact with the devil. It wasn't the post, it was the search. So the highest search, right? The highest search was how do you make a pact with the devil? And it ended up bringing them to our, to us, which, to us, awesome. <laughs> which was very cool. You because know? we have a post, I think, that is something like, should you make a pact with the devil? Right. Which, of course, is it answers in a negative. But obviously, in our time, the interest in all of this is up both among the faithful and among those who are deluded. Are, uh, from what I hear from exorcists that we work with, the uh, cases are up. The difficulty is up. Is that the same you're seeing in your in your world for exorcism and, and helping people get free? Um, yes, I do think so. Um, the difficulty really, I think, has always been the same mm-hmm. um, because it's just about free will choices uh-huh. and the extent to which the person has a conversion and is trusting and seeking Jesus. Yeah. So if that's happening, the devil, the demons don't have any particular uh, increased uh, power or uh, making the case difficult. Um, 
It's all about the person and their relationship with God. That's the central controlling factor. Um, But I will say that the number of cases in recent years does seem to be increasing. Um, And I have some thoughts about why, but, but yes, for sure. The number is increasing. I'd love to hear your thoughts about why. I think that we're a Christian nation kind of in the reverse of, of kind of in reverse. So in the history of the church, you typically see a lot of activity with exorcism when Christianity first enters a culture for the first 50 or 100 years, and then things settle down because basically a lot of the free room the demons had to operate is pushed back. You know, the kingdom of darkness is pushed back. And we're kind of a missionary country in reverse now. And so as people become less religious, there's more people that are checking no religion, you know, on the census, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And I think most importantly that we're no longer passing down the spiritual traditions to keep people knowledgeable enough to stay safe. Um, Yeah. We're, we're not only, and, and now what's happened, Dan, is we've gone beyond that. We stopped passing on the warnings. We stopped passing on um, our culture. Now we're actually celebrating the right. things that we used to warn against. And so not, not in the Catholic church, not in the Christian churches, but in the popular culture, witchcraft is now celebrated as a good Um, Satanism is pushing to be celebrated as a good in the form of atheistic humanism. Um, Black magic and magic is seen as a viable route to success and power. You know, the myth of the Illuminati and the entertainment industry, whatever occult stuff is going on there, the actual Illuminati kind of disappeared back in the either the late 1700s or early 1800s, but it doesn't matter. The myth of you can make it in the entertainment industry by black magic is causing people to do the search you just talked about. How do I sell my soul? You know, where's my shortcut to success and power? So yeah, for all, for all these reasons, um, yeah, we're just, we're seeing a lot of people that are playing with this stuff. They think it's good and harmless. Yeah. I would even um, make an extension of what you're talking about. It's not just that we're not passing on down the warnings is that the family has broken down in such a way that the spiritual covering is no longer there. The spiritual covering that provides protection to, um, to families, to children is, is falling apart because if, if dad doesn't go to mass, if he won't get up and go, or mom doesn't want to go to mass, you know, and the children are, are therefore not protected and it leaves them wide open to all kinds of uh, demonic influence and attack. Um, and then they go off to school to a secular school who then works actively against the family unit. Um, it's just a, a setup for disaster. Um, so it really speaks to the importance of the sacramental covering and protection that the, a holy family provides. Uh, especially with the father as the spiritual lead of the home and the mother supporting that um, in her marriage to him and then the education of the children. So it's really central to what's going on. So So we're with Adam Bly, the author of The Exorcism Files, True Stories of Demonic Possession. Given all of this, Adam, um, uh, you've given your life to this work. You know, what, what, what got into you to, to do that? <laughs> Was it 
like us, if it was like us, we, we were by accident. I don't know how you entered into all of this and, and why are you doing it? Well, it, it started in uh, brain research in graduate school. <clears throat> so I had seen that the brain is capable of producing false experiences that to the person are completely real. And I'm not talking about mental illness. I'm talking about healthy, normal people under hypnosis can be caused to hallucinate. And to them, it is 100% real. That led me to wonder whether any of the odd experiences people were starting to talk about as the paranormal TV craze was starting, whether any of that was actually real or if it was all just misunderstanding and hoaxes. And so I started looking into it, bumped into specialist clergy that were working with some of these families, with these troubled people, and doors started opening. And um, I then was, you know, met Father James Labar, who was kind of the kind of de facto head exorcist for the country in his generation, he's passed on now. And some other people connected with the International Association of Exorcists, got invited to come over and learn more, learn more from Father Amorth and the, the old guys in Rome that had 40, 50 years under their belt. And um, <clears throat> for some reason, God wanted me involved in terms of training and teaching. We started conferences as early as 2006 mm -hmm. for exorcists. And um, I thought I'd be done once we got enough exorcists trained up, contributed to that. But Jesus seems to want me to keep going because um, as long as the bishops ask, you know, I'll, I'll keep going. But yeah, essentially found incredible suffering and it clearly was not medical or psychological. You know, it's rare, but it's real. And um, yeah, so I'm just trying to follow what God wants me to do. You know, you said you said you. You, you, you attested to the fact that it's not medical or psychological and you're someone who has, you know, the, the educational background to make that kind of assessment. And I think it's important uh, in our time that, because I think it's people uh, don't want to believe it. And so they can blow it off and, and minimize it. I, I, I know or mock it or mock it. And I know folks who, um, uh, you know, who say it's overly uh, sensationalized or talked about. I, I don't find that. I find most people just don't want to believe it. I mean, we, we have exposure to a lot of Catholics and if they're not devout, committed to the magisterium, it just, they want to run anytime you mention this. Yeah, they don't want to talk about it. So I want to ask you a question about your book. Um, why, wh what, why this specific book now? I mean, you've written on this before. What is your goal in, uh, in doing the hard work of writing the exorcism files? And what do you hope uh, to accomplish, uh, to help people to accomplish with it? <clears throat> well, you know, I asked exorcist friends, what should I write next, if anything? And the most common answer I got was case studies. Okay. Now, I've gone back and forth about writing a book like this for years because there's a great danger both in <clears throat> it becoming a sensational topic, um, there's a danger in causing fear in people, and there's a big danger of causing fascination. People thinking, sure. oh, I can go out and do this myself, you know, because I've yeah. read about it. And so I'm trying to tread a line where I'm sharing enough to have a cautionary tale that gets the message across. Mm -hmm. without so much that it just becomes gross and horrible to read, yeah. which if I had included everything, it's so revolting that 
no publisher would publish it and you wouldn't want to read it. Yeah. Um, you know, people always say, what's the most horrible thing you've seen? And, and the answer is you don't want to know the answer right, to that right, question. Right. Um, and so this book is, is meant to not just wag a finger and say, don't play with the occult. It's meant to say, well, let me tell you about a bunch of people that did. And here's what happened. And of course, changing names and locations and even, yeah. um, you know, um, their sex in some cases, male to female ages, you know, obscuring who the actual people are to protect their privacy. But I think I think the stories are hopefully useful because as humans, we don't respond well to somebody just saying, don't do this or do that. Right, right. Versus if, if I say, well, let me tell you about somebody who did that. Right, right. Then we're naturally curious and we want to hear that story. Yeah. yeah, well said. So we're about to go to break, but when we get back, I'd like to hear how people end up getting into trouble. You know, how does, how does that happen? So we'll be right back. Yep. Hi, friends. We want to personally invite you to check out all of our upcoming retreats here at Avila. Head over to spiritualdirection.com forward slash events or click on the events tab on the top of spiritualdirection.com and sign up now for one of our powerful mini retreats, setting the captives free or into the deep or divine intimacy in marriage. Now with both live and online options, our mini retreats can be live streamed right into your living room or parish meeting room. Discover why these events sell out time and time again. That's spiritualdirection.com forward events register today there is a growing need for well-formed solid spiritual directors in the church today the avila institute in collaboration with heart of christ spiritual direction program offers a certificate in spiritual direction for those who feel called to accompany others in their journey towards god the program is grounded in ignatian and carmelite spirituality based on a catholic worldview and draws on the wisdom of the saints with an emphasis on biblical principles and the new evangelization this program offers both online and on-site classes Discover more and apply today at avila-institute.org. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome back to Divine Intimacy Radio, your radio haven of rest. We're talking to Adam Bly. Uh, he's an expert on the topic of exorcism. Uh, he's been forming exorcists for years, and those uh, who seek to help people to get free by the grace and uh, sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for us, God be praised, we can all be free. The book, latest book he's written is The Exorcism Files, True Stories of Demonic Possession. Uh, EWTN Religious Catalog can probably get that book to you. Cool thing that happens when you buy books from them. One is if you send them money for a book, they'll actually send you the book. That's great. Two, you, you support their very important work. We're so grateful for EWTN to infiltrate the, uh, the airwaves of every diocese in the United States or almost anyway. But uh, before the break, Stephanie, you asked him a question. Why don't you reiterate yeah. that and we'll jump back in. How do people get themselves into trouble? Well, um, the short answer is by violating the first commandment. And so when, when we say getting into trouble, we really mean extraordinary demonic problems. The ordinary is temptation. We all deal with that. It's kind of like saying there's bacteria on your skin and everywhere. It just has always been there. It's not fun to think about, but the demons tempt us. That's normal and that's okay. God allows it so that we have a spiritual struggle and we get stronger spiritually. Right. When we say trouble in this context, we mean demonic infestation, demonic oppression, and, and demonic possession. And you get into that kind of trouble by entering into a relationship with the demon or your parents entering into that relationship when you're 
before the age of reason, which is seven. So how do you do that? It's often through an act of the will that is um, physically played out, verbally played out. This can take the form. Now, I'm not saying you're going to become possessed if you play with the Ouija board once, but people that have played with it habitually and it's become an obsessive thing, they enter into a subservient relationship with whatever spirit is responding through the board. That's one example. Witchcraft and black magic of any kind is another example because you're appealing to spirits to do you favors. And when you take a favor, you owe. And so you're giving over more and more control of your life to these spirits over time. And they don't come as demons in the beginning. If they did, we'd run away. We'd run into a church. They come as your fairy godmother. They come as your guardian angel. They come as your totem animal. Whatever is going to make you drop your guard. And so people get in trouble primarily through black magic, through cutting deals with spirits. And that's a violation of the first commandment because you're not putting God first. You're telling God, I don't trust you. I'm going to get what I want from this spirit on my terms. And so you're breaking your friendship with God and starting a friendship with the deceptive spirit. And, if, and, and when you talk about they owe uh, the person who uses the spirit, what, what happens? Is there a typical, I don't know, scenario wherein they come to get their pay? Um, I imagine it's just when the person doesn't seem quite as useful to them anymore or whatever. Yeah, so typically what happens is um, it's a slow encroaching control of more and more of the person's life. It starts with, um, I don't want you to do this or that. And it's usually things connected with prayer, going to church, anything connected with God. I want that crucifix out of the house. I don't like that. Um, you know, don't go to mass anymore. It'll start with limiting the person's behavior. Mm. It will then move on to not only... I'm going to tell you what you're not going to do. I'm going to start telling you what you're going to do. And if you don't obey me, I'm going to punish you. Mm. And so it's this abusive relationship. The demon either says, I'm going to punish you if you don't do what I say, or it starts hurting you. And it says, if you do what I say, I'll hurt you less. And so eventually the goal is to wear the person down to where they either give in to suicide or possession. And it's, it's incredibly common. The demon's constantly saying, kill yourself, come with us. It'll be better. We won't treat you badly. That type of thing. I've heard it probably a thousand times. So Adam, I think an important question is, is, is it always blatantly a voice or, or can it be insinuations, movements, inspirations at the beginning, especially? So it starts, it's, again, it's an encroaching relationship. So it starts with some medium of communication. That could be a pendulum. It could be divining rods. It could be the Ouija board. It could be going to your psychic if they're, if they're truly a witch involved with the demon and not just a cold reader, which most psychics, most psychics are just con artists. But some are connected with the spirit. Um, it starts with a medium through which the communication happens. Then eventually the spirit says, give me permission and I'll just talk into your mind. And we don't need this medium of communication anymore. This intermediary step can be removed. And at that point, the the dominion of the person kind of jumps to the next level. Okay. Fascinating. Well, in terms of this book, and and, uh, for those who may have uh, discovered this conversation in the middle we're talking with Adam Bly, uh, author of The Exorcism Files, True Stories of Demonic Possession. Um, what is it, you know, in, 
was there a case that surprised you? I, I don't know. It, it seems it's a funny question just coming from our own experience, I think, because what demons do and say is can be quite shocking. I guess after you hear it for a while, it's not anymore. I don't know. But is there a case that you wrote about here that's more surprised, caught you, caught you off guard and, uh, and, and really uh, maybe taught you a lot or just uh, really got you praying more or affected you to greater holiness, which often these things do? Yeah, I would say probably the, the culmination of the book is, is a case from a couple years ago where um, it was the actual Satan involved. I had met him once years ago in, in the Southwest briefly. And then this was a case where he rarely will fight for the person himself. So usually the last demon to be cast out is some um, known name out of the Old Testament, one of the Canaanite quote unquote gods, you know, spirits that were worshiped as gods in some cultures basically a, a high level guy, but not Satan himself. And, and this was a case where he was, um, he thought it was so important that he actually fought for the case himself. Mm. And it wasn't so much that it was Satan. And there's good reasons why I'm sure it was. Everybody wants to armchair quarterback that and say, well, I don't think it was him. Um, and that's fine. But uh, it was very clear in that case. The interesting thing was that hell saw this case in certain cases as of strategic value, that there, it was a glimpse into the bigger orchestrations of hell in the world, mm. that in terms of this person's spiritual gifts and the ministry that they were called to by God, hell was mm. trying to squelch that ministry because it was going to have a broader impact on his kingdom as a whole. So these, a lot of these cases are not just about, I want to destroy this one individual person that the world may never hear about, but it's about strategically deploying resources to try to squelch gifts and movements of God in the world if they can manage to do it. Now, of course, the devil can't squelch God, but he can get a human to make an act of the will that lets him into their life in a way that interferes with them living out what they're called to. And so that's the only place he can be active. But this, this case, it did bring me to more prayer and deeper prayer. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of rosaries in between sessions to try to plead to Mary in heaven to, to help this person get through the week or the days between sessions. It was really more days or a day because um, they were so frequent. So that was a powerful case in the sense it was a glimpse into the bigger war. Mm -hmm. And did they get free? Yeah. God be yeah. praised. God be praised. Yeah. Let me and let me let me ask you this, Adam, because I think, and I've heard this that from another exorcist, and so maybe you can speak into it that the battle really is not between, you know, us and the enemy, that the battle is really between the enemy and God, and that the enemy goes after us because we're so beloved, because we're we're made in his image and he knows that he can though he can't hurt god directly that he can cause great suffering if he can go after um his beloved children is what what do you have in that area yeah um you know some people think that it's very likely it's about god's choice to enter into creation in the form of a man and to enter not as an immortal spirit appearing before people, but as a mortal man. 
So that would be number one theory about why they hate us so much. Number two would be that it was through the yes of a woman, the yes of Mary, who agreed to be the vessel through which God would enter, because God doesn't do anything against our will. Mm -hmm. um, and that's probably why they, they fear Mary so much, because mm -hmm. she was, you know, you just go to the book of Revelation. She's the one that steps on the neck of the serpent, right? right. Um, but I, I've also noticed very clearly over the years that, yes, it's all about God, but they really hate us, I think, because we can make it back to God and they can't. Mm -hmm. their, their choice is permanent, not because God's a meanie and he won't let them repent, but because their minds are different. They made a choice with full knowledge to the end of time of the consequences because they had infused knowledge as an angel to understand completely what they were choosing. So they can never say, I didn't understand. Now I, I want to take it back. Wow. That's very powerful. So we, we have a couple of minutes left and I, I don't want us to leave without asking, you know, really what is the remedy for these problems, you know, for what we're seeing in our society, in individuals, in, in this huge um, increase of, of demonic issues. What's the remedy, Adam? I think the remedy is to carry on the wave of interest this topic brings good education so that the next generation coming up yeah. understands how all this works and what to avoid. Mm -hmm. um, because they're being told that these dangers are harmless and fun and, and empowering. And if we don't pass on that knowledge, which we have, a, we have a shot because there's a natural instinct because at the gut level, people know this is real, which is yeah. why they're interested. Um, things like this conversation, you know, the work, the work you guys are doing, we need to just keep putting that signal out there. And then God through the Holy Spirit will get that signal to the, to the people and hopefully inspire in them a good response. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that I'm moved by that mm -hmm. in a big way. So I'm grateful for all your work. Folks, you can find out more about Adam Bly, the author of The Exorcism Files, True Stories of Demonic Possession at religiousdemonology.com. That's religiousdemonology.com. And for all you faithful Catholics out there, uh, if you don't daily pray for guys like Adam, for exorcists, for priests, for the laity involved in uh, deliverance ministry, please. For our ministry. Please begin doing that because yeah, we do need your prayers. It's quite, it's quite a challenge to do this kind of work. Uh, God always provides, but uh, your prayers are, are necessary. And thank God for your good work, Adam. And thanks for being with us today. Yes, stay close to Our Lady. Until Bye. next time, may the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire, spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Learn more about the interior life. Visit spiritualdirection.com. Divine Intimacy Radio is a co-production of EWTN Radio and spiritualdirection.com and heard worldwide on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.